With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? Well, I'm in the company of two voices that I love very, very much, although I don't see the faces of. I have a Capri's caramel in my hand, which is nice and cold out of the fridge. And we're about to talk about Liverpool, so pretty good. You're having a better morning than I'm having. I have no Capri's caramel. This is some sort of outrage. I'll have to get on to the... Uh... The food supplier of the house and uh, would you like me to send you one through the post wrapped in a foam hand <laughs> no you're all right you can keep your foam hand <laughs> i wouldn't deny you your foam hand i know you love it very much um we are going to talk about liverpool today and we're going to talk about the new shape of liverpool the shape that seems to be continually evolving for a couple of games it was a 4-3-3 becoming a, a three box two but in recent games, Andy Robertson seems to have been given a little bit more freedom to get forward. That may be down to the calibre of teams we've been playing against, quite frankly, and the situation in the games. But I do think the the, the basis of a three-box three or potentially even a three-diamond three is what's being put in place for next season. How do you view it? Yeah, I mean, there's still bits which are going on. And like you, I think that the changes are probably more to do with opposition than how we expect it to work game after game after game going forward. And I think that that's not just a a good thing, but a necessary thing, because you can't play the exact same way against an out-of-form Leicester as you would do against Man City, let's say, from a defensive standpoint. And there's going to be different positional aspects required, uh, different in-match switches, we've already seen a few times later on in the game, we've gone to that flat back four and Trent doesn't go wandering, for example. So that's that's necessary and we'll we'll need to still make little adjustments as we get used to what works and what doesn't in our build-up play. But basically, yeah, Klopp has now said more or less that this is here to stay. It's basically going to be our system going forward and uh, get used to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... This was this part was your idea. So why don't you take the lead on this? What what do you want to go over with this system and, and how do you want this to structure? Firstly, for my own sanity, I would like us, just us, me and you, guy could chip in as well if he wants, to come up with a way of referring to this system. Because we keep hearing it 
in lots and lots of different ways and quite frankly it annoys me um, that it's always 16 different formations so what do we want to call it on here what do you think it is most do you think it's a wm do you think it's a 235 do you think it's something else entirely i i think it's a three box three which is basically just an iteration of the old dutch formation the van hal three diamond three which was a skewed diamond to begin with like i i think it is you know it's three two two three people will say it's a wm but if you look at how the wm worked back in the olden days it was two three three two that was the wm because the w was the defensive side as we always do in formations it's four four two four three three it's from the back forward not the front back we do not play a wm we play an mw so do other clubs that use this same kind of system so the idea of it as a wm firstly is a falsehood and secondly i think it's just easier to say it's a three box three right so we'll stick with the four a three four three for now then and people can interpret where they are as they want to yes three four three and uh that's our in possession formation for example and then when we're, we're when we are talking to specifically about the defensive phases then we can more adequately change that as we need to so premise of the podcast then is to go over it a little bit more in depth uh in a couple of areas specifically so we want to talk about one area each that we particularly like of this team one aspect of it that we particularly do not like or would like to see change or evolution in how we how we deal with it and then also two or three positions each, which we think are the most important tactically from how we build up now to how we defend to whatever we see as the most important parts of it, not players. Obviously there are players in those roles at the moment, but the specific roles which we think make or break this team, like early era Klopp, you would say Roberto Firmino, for example, was obviously a massive, massive part of it. So that center forward role, how it was played, how it worked, with the link up, how it worked defensively and off the ball for us, all of that kind of stuff, which two or three positions we think are particularly important. I think it's clear that the most important is the hybrid role that Trent is playing, that fullback moving into midfield, the inverted fullback, which is a term that I hate. I really dislike it, Carl, because the idea of an inverted winger. That is a beautiful picture of you with your foam hand, by the way. The idea of an inverted winger was simply a left footer playing on the right-hand side who would come in field. It wasn't somebody who started in field. Trent is starting in field when he gets the ball. Um, but this, yeah, this hybrid role for Trent, I, I think, is the most important role in the system. I, I think it's, I think it's enabling him to have a lot more time and space on the ball because what we're seeing is the opposition's midfield three match up with ours and when our midfield shifts shape their midfield reacts to that by shifting into spaces to pick up our midfielders but left wingers are not tracking Trent into midfield they're holding the width which is basically giving us an overload in midfield and giving Trent all the time and space that he wants and that he needs to basically dictate games. 
Yeah, I mean, I think obviously a lot of this system is built around Trent. And we've touched on that a couple of times, even in the transfer pod, saying that it makes it even more important that we have a viable alternative to him. Not playing in the same way necessarily, because you're not going to get that, certainly as a backup player. But having players in the squad who can replicate what he does positionally or replicate what he does from a creativity standpoint, uh, it's very, very important we find those solutions one way or another this summer, I think, uh, if this is to be it going forward. Because otherwise, especially if we're going to be playing a competitive side and we're in Europa League football, you can't ask Trent to do this for 55 matches with the amount of running that he has to do now. Even though some of them are more shuttle runs, he's a lot more sprinty and aggressive and quick into the tackle, I think, at the minute. It's a very different kind of running, so we definitely need an alternative. So if we say Trent is Trent's position is obviously the most tactically important because it's basically the one that this system is built around and getting the use out of, which is one aspect of it that you particularly like or don't like of the system yeah I, any part I, of the system the combinations the positional play the interactions anything you like one aspect of it you like and don't like the thing i like most about it is that it has enabled us to counter press more efficiently and we're able to cast the net around teams a bit easier because You've got those two advanced midfielders pressing behind the front three. And then you've got the Trent Fabinho two able to step up behind them. And we're able to smother teams. And I think Curtis has been key to this, but it hasn't really mattered who's played on the right. It's been the same basic pressing system in this shape. And that is basically what I like most is our ability to create turnovers and get those second ball opportunities. I think that's been a really, really important part of why we've had success with this shape. Because we've seen, we've had a number of goals that have come off that counter press in this run where, you know, team has tried to play out. They've just fallen down because we've had so many people just pressing them, pressing them, pressing them as a group. We're able to, really set a trap and just smother people and then turn the ball over while they're out of shape defensively and create chances. So for me, it's it's the counter-pressing. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that that's been on show more in the last couple of games than early on, which I guess you'd expect while we get more used to it and more uh, accustomed and, like I say, find those tweaks where we can improve and want to improve a bit more. But I do think that it's been a bit more agile, let's say, uh, and the response has been a bit better. Like you mentioned that net, that is a great thing to see return for Liverpool for Leicester the most recent game we did it a lot but 
Leicester are also a terrible, terrible side. So I'm not 100% convinced that it's there just yet, but it is definitely on the improving. Um, I think for me, the left side is in the attacking half of the pitch. The left side is my favourite aspect of this so far. Um, we have a really, really nice triangle going on, let's say, between Jones uh, has been the left side of midfielder. We've had Jota and Diaz as the left sided forward, let's say. And then we've had the overlaps from Robertson occasionally and the centre forward being Gakpo completing that triangle. Jones, Diaz, Gakpo, let's say. So there's been a lot of movement between the three of them. We've seen Jones having a starting position in build-up play right out on the left side of midfield, which is a difference prior to, let's say, the, the general 4-3-3. Even when we had Bobby really dropping into the diamond, it still wasn't that wide on that flank. It was always just Robertson. So now we have a bit more of a stretch play. It's allowing Diaz to come in field and be almost a second forward at times. I think Jota did that a bit better than Diaz in terms of when he drifted into those play places. But Diaz is, is very, very clever as well. And he's a lot more explosive at making those movements on the ball. Um, but then you'll also see Jones able to go in there. And Jones able to just be almost in the number 10 zone at times. I think that the rotation of positions has been really, really good between them. Gakpo dropping out into deeper areas and being in build-up play has been very useful. Um, I just very, very much like when you have three, four players who are really good understanding between them uh, in terms of the movement and creating spaces. We saw loads of times against Leicester, uh, another good example where Robertson might go on the overlap. He doesn't get the ball. Then he'll sort of drift infield a little bit and he's still there. It's not an overlap anymore, but he's still there to just get a little clipped pass around the corner of the last defender. And he's there running to the byline to get another cutback. This kind of build-up play is... Very, very Liverpool over the last few years. It's in a slightly different way, but the build-up style is still there, and it's good to see it come back. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Um, I do think that's very fair. So, if we're talking about things we don't like, I have two that I don't like about it. You can't just say Jordan Henderson's still involved. No, 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 it's not him, because... He's not going to be playing next season. He's not going to be a starter next season. That's clear as anything. So it's it's not that. Because it hasn't mattered whether it's him, it's been Harvey, it's been Cody. It doesn't really matter. That The, the two advanced midfielders don't concern me at all because they're both going to be upgraded on next season. And I think Curtis as a third advanced midfielder rotating in both positions it, is going to be a really... Is going to be a position of strength for us, those two advanced midfielders. So I have no no concerns about that at all. The first concern I have is defensively, how open we can be. Now, Ibu has been outstanding. And last night on Raw, I compared him to Yapstam because that's who he reminds me of. He's enormous. He's rapid. He's incredibly strong. He's brilliant 1v1 he reads the game really well and whatever type of forward player you put up against him Ibu is going to be able to um he's going to be able to you know to cope with and I think if it wasn't for the fact that we've been spoiled by having the best center back the Premier League has ever seen for the last five and a half years I think we'd be far more in awe of how good Ibu is. So I think that's brilliant. But Ibu 
and Virgil are being asked right now to do far too much in terms of how much space they're covering. And we've been fortunate enough that this run has come against a lot of bad teams or teams that were, you know, pretty much on the beach. I would have concerns about playing this way against a good team, a competent team who counters really well. We've seen in this run of games, teams open us up a couple of times. And that that does worry me. The particular area of concern I have is that left-sided centre-back role or the left, left-sided left defensive role. Robertson, Robertson is a really good fullback or was a really good fullback at his pump. Now I think he's defensively declined quite a bit. And I just, it worries me how much he's abandoning the defensive side of it to push forward. I, I do think, you know, having the teams we've played against is part of that. There's more opportunity for him to get forward. And state of game also means there's more opportunity for him to get forward. But I do have concerns about how that would look against good teams. So that's that's the one of the big ones for me is I just defensively, I have concerns about how this will work when we play good teams. Because if it's going to be the system, it needs to be the system. Mm. Not this is the system, but we're going to change because we shouldn't be one of those teams. We should have a a defined way of playing and that's how we play. And if we're going to play this way, we need to play this way regardless of who we're up against. You don't see City or Real or the top teams changing how they play against certain opposition. Real do a little bit, they counter sometimes, but the shape remains the same. So that that's just a concern for me. Now, I do think it's something that will get addressed in the summer, but the defensive side of it does still concern me. Yeah, I think that's probably the same area. I would probably just about say the right side more than the left side at the moment because I don't see still that there's a defined responsibility for one of the midfielders to take that role. Um, I think there are two ways that it has to go. One, I think, first of all, I, I, I wasn't on Raw, so you probably already covered this ground, but I think, Kanate out in that right channel was unbelievably good unbelievably good against Leicester he is so so aggressive and doesn't give you a second and even after making a challenge he goes in again for a challenge and again for a challenge and he's so good at timing um, and his speed obviously that he just he wins it and carries it away it's very demoralizing for a low and forward to try and go up against that but a direct ball gets him behind us one penetrating run down that flank gets him behind us it's it's not going to be okay for people just to point to Trent next season if he's playing this role. It's not primarily going to be on him. So you've got two things. One, either the right side of date has to drop in and be responsible for that recovery run. Or two, Canate always goes across and Fabinho or the Fabinho position drops in at centre-back alongside Van Dijk. That's what I think it will be. That seems to be where we've gone more over the last few games. That's, that's the one we've seen a few more times. Mm. But even that I'm not loving because generally it comes after a switch of play, which means Fabinho is slightly more left side. He has to then drop in as the left centre-back, Van Dijk is on the right centre-back. Um, and obviously that's that's three players changed over areas of the pitch that they're defending in that case. Kanate is out wider, Van Dijk is the other half of the pitch, Fabinho is into a different area. So I mean, th- this is why we've talked about that right-sided role where Henderson played last night, hmm. needing to be the one that takes up that slack defensively. If Trent's not going to do it, or he's not being asked to do it, 
then it needs to be that right-sided eight who's making those runs. I, I've said, like, the the ideal player for that role, if you could pick anybody and just put them in the team, is Fede Valverde. That's the guy who would be absolutely perfect because he's a one-man wrecking crew up and down that right side all by himself. Now, we've obviously talked about this before, but like there, there isn't a huge amount of players out there who are capable of doing the, both the attacking side and the defensive side the way he is. And that's why I kind of landed on Manu Kone, because he's good enough on the ball to not be, a, you know, a dud in attack. And he is exceptional off the ball. And I I would be pushing for someone like him. But it does appear like Mason Mount is the one the club have eyes on. And that... What Mason Mount is, is certainly willing to run. And is capable of covering ground. He just doesn't really have the defensive side of his of the game that solves that issue for us. So it's going to, I think, continue to be Fabinho dropping back in, Virgil switching across. And again, like you, I don't really like when you're having three players shift every time because it becomes quite predictable and teams will start to realise that this rotation is happening and it's something they'll look to target and something they'll look to find where somebody's just a half second slow in the reaction to it and they'll they'll take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen it lots and lots of times, um, even against Leicester in the early part of the games where the ball went in, where Vardy was able to run behind. I think there was one where Barnes got in and then played it into Vardy running that side of the penalty area as well. You rely on Alisson and that's okay. I don't have a problem with needing the best goalkeeper in the world to be the best goalkeeper in the world that's that's part of why we're doing this because we have him and the capability to react that way but it is always that channel and it's because we're down a man there basically we're purposely down a man there that's obviously where teams are going to target and you have to have not just a plan to deal with it but a really cohesive way of dealing with it with all the players involved for all the different ways it could happen whether it's a switch of play whether it's a goal kick whether it's a, a really really fast runner uh, who just you know knocks it past whoever it is on the right side of midfield and runs all of these different ways. There's it's it's very very difficult to have everybody know in every single situation what they have to do to react and them already being in position to do so from our own build up play after transitions, counter attacks, that kind of thing, even off our own corners and set pieces. It's still where they're going to go. So it's something I think that we will have issues with next season, regardless of who we sign regardless of which way we try to do it, just because there are nearly infinite ways that teams can attack us there and they're going to do so even more than they already have done. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Right, what's what's the thing you like most about it? Most is that left side. That's the thing you're, you're most happy with. Yeah. What's the thing you like least about it? Uh, I think probably... Again, the, that that right side. I mean, you spoke about obviously the left back and Andy Robertson. I think it's that right sided zone for me that is the the biggest problem. Um, just because, as I say, there's so many ways and such an obvious method of attacking. I do think the, the left back needs to be addressed in in the way that Robertson plays it or defends it at least. But in transition play, that right side midfield and who is responsible for the Trent zone 
is my biggest issue. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, my other thing that I don't like about it, Carl, and th this is something that concerns me with, with any shape. I, I don't like any shape or system that's single player centric. Yeah. And if this shape is entirely based around Trent, which it is, what happens if he's not there? Or what happens if he's in poor form? Yeah. Um... Or, or if teams just start to say, right, ignore Fabinho. You go, your focus is you go and stand on Trent. And if they want to try and run their team through Fabinho, let them at it. Or if they want to try and run their team through Jordan Henderson, let them at it. Your job is to man-mark Trent and do not allow him to breathe. And, you know, anything that's so heavily reliant on one player is is just a concern to me. Yeah, I agree. And again, we've spoken about this, to be honest, even in the first days of the, the system. You know, you've got to have multiple methods of attack. And I think that that's, you know, fine to say, like, you know, we have really good forwards. We, you have to get the ball there first. And our progression at the minute is Trent. That's what it is. Um, I think Fabinho is capable of doing it. And obviously you look at people like uh, Thiago coming back, let's say, something like that, assuming he comes back to fitness and is still part of the, the squad next season, then... Yes, the progression possibilities are there, but where from? Like, Kanate at the moment is mostly the one that teams are leaving to just have the ball and then see what he does with it or who he gives it to. But he still has to progress the ball through the first line of the opposition's defensive play into Thiago's feet or into Curtis Jones's feet or whoever is trying to pick up the spaces. Because if they man mark Trent, that does mean there's a gap elsewhere and you have to work harder to exploit that and you have to work harder to find it. But we we would be doing this system and ourselves and the other players quite a big disservice if we don't really have clarity of how to build up play without going through Trent nearly all the time. And it's no longer the case that you can sort of just do a switch and the right back is overlapping, obviously, because we don't have that. We don't have that runner anymore. There's not really the case that you can ask play to be switched right to left because Trent is not on the right, Trent is being marked, he's not got the ball. So your options to do that switch are Kanate, long passing, not his strength, I don't think, and then whoever's on the right side of midfield. But again, you still have to get the ball to them first, them in space. If it's Henderson, he has to take 16 touches to turn to get the ball on the perfect angle on his right foot, etc., etc. So there's a lot to work on build-up-wise. And again, I think that Leicester was probably the most complete performance in terms of us building up and stopping them building out, but they're the worst team we played as well. So I don't take too much from that, even though it showed us how it could work. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And like you said, you know, there's there will be other progressors to come in. Thiago, it just depends on what the role for him is. If we add Alexis, then he's more than capable of of being that kind of fulcrum as well. So there will be ways around it. I do just I do just worry a little bit that you know teams will figure it out and we'll, we'll get caught lacking somewhere because we'll we'll have a lack of creativity outside of of those two in in particular because Mount is a good player. He's not a creative player. A lot of his assists come from 
crosses from set pieces or, you know, set pieces in general. Um, he's not really a player that breaks a game open in the flow of a game. Um, does it does it concern you at all that this shape and in a way the style of play as well and how much of the ball we're having just isn't really isn't really Jurgen Klopp football. It's far more Guardiola football. Does that worry you? Because it worries me a little bit. But it worries um, me a lot, to be honest. Um, I don't... You mean just when we've got possession, you mean? Just general open play possession? Yeah, I just... Like, last night we had... And, and in multiple games so far in this run... We just have these long, long spells of games where we have all the ball and do absolutely nothing with it. And, you know, like last night, for example, we had 71% of the ball for the first 25 minutes and had one shot with no, no, no shots on target. And the first goal is a long punt down the field that their defender just doesn't deal with. So... If they, if we don't score that first goal, if the defender deals with it better as he should, he should just head it back to Everson as the ball is dropping. If we don't get that first goal, I don't think we get the second goal. And then it just becomes such a slog for us. Whereas the more bombastic Liverpool that was built on having a brilliant defence, being able to just wreck, wreak havoc in the final third with our pressing, with our power, with our just explosiveness. That's not there anymore. And this team is not being sculpted in that way. And I, like, I, I wanted us to evolve from what we were, but not to this. This to me just feels like, this feels like a Pep Guardiola tribute act. With, without the, not that we have the quality to do it. I just don't know that we have the nous to do it. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, I think it's fair. I didn't expect us to move to this kind of way, to be honest. Even using Trent in the middle, I think, was a natural evolution for us, but I didn't expect it to be the... Uh, you know, moving from right back into midfield. I thought it would just be into a midfield position or using him in a different way in midfield. Um, 
I'm not that bothered that it's following Pep or following Arteta. I really don't care about that, to be honest. That's that's not something which concerns me. As long as we still have um, exceptional counter-pressing, as long as we are still able to completely overpower teams, I think that that's more what I would associate a Klopp team with and our build-up play being similar to how it was. I think that that's more important. And then the player mindset, mentality, but characteristics, really. I mean, I think that we're a far more aggressive side than City are, for example. I think we're a far more um, riding on the emotions of the match sort of team at times, but we're really good at maintaining composure. I just mean we use it in a good way as well. We don't get like, you know, all Everton about things and lose our heads most of the time. Um, So I think that we're still enough Liverpool Klopp identity for me. But I do, I do understand where you're coming from. It's a bit like we're following this time rather than doing it our way. Yeah, and like, I, I don't know. Like, it just, it's, it's very, very strange to me that Jurgen Klopp, having built his teams at Mines and at Dortmund and Liverpool on a certain way of playing, forget the shape. The way of playing, the fundamental principles that he had about his teams is now altering them so drastically. Like, this team bears no resemblance to the team that won the title or the Champions League. It bears no resemblance to the team that won the back-to-back Bundesligas. Our title-winning team and that Bundesliga-winning team were very, very similar in so much of what they did. This team, to me, doesn't bear any resemblance at all. And it just seems weird that a guy who's had as much success as Jürgen has had doing things a certain way has gone so far in the opposite direction now. Like, Klopp was always sort of the kryptonite to Guardiola. And his style of football was the thing that could just break Guardiola's style of football. And now it just seems like he's, like I said, it's just a copycat. I I get what you're saying. We're a bit more aggressive than them. But, I mean, not in any meaningful way for me. We don't press as well as they do in this shape. We're not as quick to transition the ball forward. We're not as aggressive in terms of how we attack. Now, that might change when you take out Henderson and his lack of technical ability and put in you know a good player but at the same time like there's a there's this there's just something about when city attack there's real purpose to it when we attack it seems like we're making it up as we go along um yeah possibly agree and i do think that that's kind of normal because we're making quite a sea change here in terms of our positional play and build-up play so i do think that's a little bit to be expected to be fair um not necessarily a great thing and like i said this isn't the way i expected liverpool to develop but i can't say i have a massive issue with it i think we needed to change i think that was quite evident quite a while ago to be honest even towards the end of last season when we were falling away even though we were close to winning everything you could see that the performances levels were down there so i thought it would go a bit of a different way um, but I don't have a problem with the way that it is. 
there's just always going to be question marks basically over it until we win stuff with it. That's that's just the nature of it. We've spoken about other teams and Liverpool won't be any different, I don't think. Yeah, that's fair. Right, so you are Jurgen Klopp going into this transfer window. This is the way you want to play next season. What specific positions are you looking to upgrade? You don't have to give me names of players, but if you want to, that would be great. Mm. But what specific positions and how many positions are you looking to upgrade in this transfer window? Absolute priority, right central midfield, then left centre-back or left back, whichever way you want to talk about it. And then for me, it's a second six. Someone who can play instead of Fabinho or with Fabinho as necessary. I think those would be my first three order of business. So replacing Henderson, replacing Robertson, replacing Fabinho would be the three priorities for you. Yeah, I mean, Robertson and Fabinho ones are probably dovetail as much as replace, but yeah. Yeah, 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 that's fair. And then, so so you you would be you'd be happy enough if Curtis is the starting left side midfielder going into next season, because um, you'd have Thiago to play that role as well if need be. So you could rotate those two. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd put up with it if the others were absolutely exceptional. I think that I, I have a thing in my head that we're only going to sign two midfielders this summer, and it's going to annoy the hell out of me, and probably you an awful lot more. But I have this thing in my head that we're only getting two. So if that is the case, right is absolute priority. And then I think a backup to Fabinho is more important. Because, I mean, I even think, like, Elliot, I could see playing that left-sided one. I've spoken about him before more than the right-sided one at the minute because, you know, Jones filters out to the left wing. He's basically touchline. He gets into attacking positions. I think Jones... uh, I think Elliot could do all right in that role as well. There's much more defensive emphasis required on the right-hand side, in my opinion. So I wouldn't make the left one a priority. It looks like that's actually going to be the easier one to get done because, you know, we're pretty heavily linked with McAllister and Brighton have already said, yeah, he's probably going. So it looks like that one will get done, but I wouldn't say it would be my priority first. No, it wouldn't be mine either. I, I, I agree with you. They'd be the three positions I'd be looking to upgrade immediately. But I would be looking to replace, not just dovetail. Because for me, despite a couple of good games recently, Fabinho still looks much slower. Yeah. Like I, I saw a lot of comments about Fabinho last night about, you know, he's winning the balls again and he's, you know, he's playing well. He didn't have anybody run past him once last night. No. That's the, the problem with Fabinho. It's not the thing. making a tackle, it's not passing the ball. When we've got the ball, he's fine. And when we're sitting really, really deep defending, he's fine. That's yeah. not the issue. We're going to have teams, not Leicester, run at us through midfield from deep areas when we're high upfield 20 times a game against other clubs. And well, that's the thing. That. Like Leicester's midfield last night was Ndidi, who can't dribble. Samare, whose role was to sit next to Ndidi and protect the defence. And Yuri Thielemans, who can't fucking run. So that's about as easy as it's going to get for Fab. There's no runner from midfield in that group at all. Um, 
so yeah, but and and Robertson, like he was okay last night, but I I thought he was just okay. I thought defensively he had so little to do because it was Madison out there who's not someone that's going to burn you at pace. But his final ball is still not where where it used to be. His decision making is still poor. Like for me, that those are the those are the three areas. I I think I genuinely think we need we need four starters next season, and there's absolutely no reason not to do it. I don't want to hear that the money's not there because the money is there. It has to be there. We've we've gone so far in the Champions League. If you need to fucking borrow it, borrow it. I don't care. It needs to be addressed this summer because it's a piss take at this point. We needed two midfielders last summer. Last summer, we needed two. And this year, we're losing Keita, Oxlade-Chamberlain and um, and Milner out of the rotation. It's very clear as well that Harvey Elliott cannot play in midfield in the Premier League if you want to have anything resembling a successful season. And Fabio Carvalho is not a midfielder either. So Jürgen's list of all his midfielders was bollocks to begin with. And now comes down to a past his best Fabinho who can't really run. A dreadful Jordan Henderson. An injury prone Thiago. And Curtis Jones. And that's it. Because I don't want to hear Bissetic's name. He's a kid who's clearly not ready. For this level. And while he got plenty of praise. When he was in the team. Everybody overlooked. A lot of the glaring flaws. In his game right now. His positional work. His anticipation. His tracking of runners. People just overlooked him. Because he was an 18 year old kid. And he was doing pretty well. But he's not ready to contribute. And we're not, remember as well. We were shit when he was in the team. So he's not ready to contribute. At any meaningful level next season. We need three in midfield. It was four until Curtis went on this run of form. But we need three. And we need a starting left-sided centre-back as well. Or left-back, left-centre-back, whatever you want to call it. And then there's other bits and bobs that are needed as well. Like we could do with better cover for Ibu. We could do with cover for Trent. We'll need to replace Kelleher. Like there's an awful lot that's needed. And you just know that this team is going to, that this club, rather, are, are going to cut corners and leave themselves short because that is just what they do. And the other thing I'll say about this system that I'm not really keen on is I feel like for this system to work across a season, you can't have any passengers. In the old system, you didn't need every player to be a seven or eight out of 10. On a week-to-week basis, you could carry a five out of 10. And we did for quite a bit of time because Bobby dropped off, because Henderson was poor a lot of weeks. Robertson would have a poor game. Sadio might have a poor game. This system feels like to be successful week-to-week across the course of the season you need pretty much everybody to be bang on it because they're all being asked to do quite a lot in terms of how much ground they've been asked to cover. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, there's obviously people who have been underperforming, but 
that tends to be where you see the problems in the system. That's kind of the problem. Um, it's not such a solid system. This one, it's a bit more, I wouldn't say risky is the right word, but it's a bit more um, offensive minded than we were before in terms of general setup, I think. And that does mean that the exploits of it are more dangerous or more obvious or more noticeable or more frequently exploited, all of these things. So it's going to be a different way of us defending even during build-up play and we will get it wrong quite a few times next season I've, I've no doubt about that there's going to be some horrific moments in matches hopefully not entire matches but some moments I can see us looking absolutely terrible for a while especially once you start considering that we integrate maybe three four new players into this system at once um, I mean right at this moment in time honestly passengers right hand side I know Salah's not a passenger, he's just created three goals, but the way we're utilising him, you would almost say that that role, you would probably look at getting away with a passenger just because it's less involved at the minute in really, really critical build-up play moments, let's say. It's only because Salah's so good, I think, that he's managed to get himself as involved as he has because we're not putting him, I don't think, in the main areas to get him involved. Um, so I think that there's definitely work to do in on and off the ball. We need to get more out of certain players. And Salah, yeah. you, you have to make the most out of Salah. You can't just let him wander about picking up space on the right side of the halfway line just to have a little pass back into Canate's feet. It's just, that's that's quite frustrating to me. So that fills my head in as well. Yeah, like, I expect to see a big uptick there, to be honest. It's notable, Carol, that... Now, I know he got three assists last night, but he, he, it was two goals that he really created. The two Curtis goals. Yeah. And it was noticeable how high and how narrow he was for both of those. He was inside the the penalty box kind of zone. You know, he was outside the box, but he was inside the lines of the box. He wasn't out in the touchline having to beat two players to get into a central area. He was in a central area when he got the ball both times. And the difference he can make in those areas as opposed to having him out playing tippy-tappy with Ibu 45 yards from goal bet onto the touchline, it, it's massive. So we do need to make sure we're getting more out of him. And look, look, the fact of it is that the hope would be that whoever comes in in that right-sided role, if it's going to be an attack-minded player, which Mason Mount is very much an attack-minded player, the hope will be that he plays more of an in-to-out role. Now, whether that's getting the best of him, I don't know, but it will get more out of Mo because it will it will allow Mo to go more central. And Mo going central and being more involved in those areas is the best thing for us. It might not get the most at amount. It probably won't get the most at amount, but it's about maximising your best players. And Mo Salah is... Well, he's our best player. So we need to make sure he's in positions to 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 do what he's capable of. Um, is there anything else you wanted to touch on on this topic? Uh, no, just the, the players who you think are most important. Uh, sorry, the roles, yeah, that you think are most important outside of Trent. So if there's any others. That you oh, think... outside of Trent, yeah. yeah. Um, I do think that, left, that left-sided centre-back, left-back role is vital. Because I think it's the kind of the, one of the swing positions between defence and attack. 
I'd like it to have more balance than it's had, you know, in, in these games because Robbo's much more attack-minded than defensive-minded. But I don't want to entirely lose the attacking side of it, which is why the more I watch and play, the more I think Piero Hincapié of Leverkusen is perfect for this role. He's been playing as a wing-back for Leverkusen of late and not looking at all out of place. They've just announced the signing of Alex Grimaldo, who's a natural wing-back. So that might mean Hincapié is available. Now, it might just mean that Alonso's going to move him into the back three and hopefully, for his own good, stop playing Jonathan Thaw. But Hincapié, to me, defensively, absolutely good enough and has enough going forward to make up for what you lose with Robbo. He's not as good a passer as uh, Goncalo Inacio of Sporting, but he is better at carrying the ball. He's a better overlapping threat, and he's a, he's a good crosser of the ball. So I think that role is vital. I really do, and it's why it will be second on my list to upgrade after that you know, right-hand side of the midfield role. After getting rid of Henderson, I think Robertson's the next one that needs to be kind of stood down from a starting role. Yeah, I mean, that is a definitely a vital position tactically. I think that's probably the good way to put it is to pivot, isn't it, between attack and defence. That's the one which maybe changes the most. Um, so it's definitely one we need to add one in because, as we've said before, I don't really see Costas doing that role at all. Um, and obviously he's not really had the chance or the ability or whatever it is to really push Robertson for a starting spot. And that's what we need now, especially otherwise we are going to find ourselves two, three years down the line in the exact same position in defence that we've been now in, in midfield, where you've got to replace, and even we've done it up front as well, haven't we, where you've suddenly got to replace two key components who have been there all the time, and you've let them go on maybe a year, maybe two years too long, and suddenly you've got massive expenditure to do there again. So I would like to see that one very, very much. Um, in terms of importance, I'm going to pick two, which I think are dovetaily a little bit to an extent one is the one we've spoken about at length and that's the right-sided one because i think we have to get so much better defensively there um and also when we're in possession there's been a few times where you can see that either salah wants to run in field but the number eight is standing right there or the pass is to go across to trent who could do something with it but the number eight is stood right there in the way um so i would like to see at that point someone who is capable of doing the outside run around Salah, uh, someone who can maybe just take it upon themselves to drive into the box all the way into that number nine position, and someone who's obviously got the athletic capability to get back in defensively as well when when necessary. So it's a tricky position to fill. I think that could be a very, very dynamic um, and excellent player who Liverpool get to fill that role, but you have to get it right, and that's a really difficult thing to do. Uh, and the other one is, he's been less impactful at times in terms of on the ball um let's say obviously great but i think cody gakpo's playing of that number nine role has been really good really intelligent in the last few weeks uh, i think his link play has been very very clever i think when he drops out is quite good i would like to see a bit more aggression and a bit more consistency from him inside the penalty box especially with the final touch and shot and when he releases the ball after driving from deep and he's got runners either side of him and he is trying to wait for the moment to open up to shoot I'd like to see a bit more decisiveness there about what to do 
but mm. maybe that comes with a little bit more time and a little bit more um, getting to know the players around him, obviously. But also his ability to win the ball back really, really quickly. Little tackles, little five-yard sprint backs, get a toe in, the net picks up the loose ball, we start again and he appears somewhere. I think that that's really, really good and has that knock-on effect of what I spoke about before with the left-hand side, all the rotation of positions there. I think that that makes Liverpool players very, very tough to track. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think Cody does fit that role really well. It'll be interesting to see when when we get, you know, an upgrade in that number 8 position. I'll be interested to see how that that number 9 position evolves as well because one of the reasons we need Cody dropping in so much is because we don't get anything on the ball out of that right-sided 8 role. If if it's Mount as an example, I wonder if Cody will drop in a little bit less or if we might see a lot more Darwin through the middle. I think I think Cody and Darwin will, will split a lot of minutes next season. I think Darwin will play left wing quite a bit as well, um, just depending on, on who we're up against and, and what the the need is. Um I I I don't know. I just there's there's just some issues with this system that that nag at me and it like I said this the style of it the, the general shift to this style of play just does sit a little bit uneasy with me um but look we'll see see my concern is and this goes back to something I remember seeing Jamie Carragher say to Thierry Henry many years ago when he talked about how Arsenal when they won league titles could bully teams because they had Vieira and Petit or they had Vieira and Gilberto Silva. And later on, they went to midfielders more like Sesk and Jack Wilshire and players like that, who exceptionally talented players, but when it came to the crunch, there were players that could be overrun, could be bullied. And it feels to me like we're sort of moving in that same direction as Arsenal did, where we're adapting to something that we don't need to adapt to, and we're trying to fit in rather than fit out, and moving away from what made us great to begin with. Now, I I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But there's a lot of parallels to 
the Arsenal situation back from, say, 04 onwards and what happened afterwards for Wenger to what we see at Liverpool, the lack of spending, a manager with too much power, questionable transfer policy, and a big, big change in style that's not necessarily going to get the most out of what you have in the squad. But, like, all we can do is wait and see what happens. That's literally all we can do is wait and see. Uh, We'll hope for a big summer. We'll hope for an exciting summer. But if it's only two midfielders, if it's two midfielders and a right-footed centre-back, and we're going into next season with Fabinho and Robertson still as nailed-on starters, and Henderson as the backup to Fabinho, that's going to be really problematic. Really problematic. And that's even without touching on the fact that we do need an alternative at right-back as well at some point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, look, people get paid a lot of money to make these decisions, and if they get them wrong, then... It's them who'll pay with their jobs. Uh, another season like this one, and we probably won't be talking about what Jurgen Klopp is going to do in the summer of 2024, because I don't think he gets away with another season like this. I think this season he's cashed in all the credit he had in the bank for winning the trophies he won. Otherwise, he would have been like he would have been sacked. Chelsea, Spurs, whoever would have sacked their manager if they were sitting ninth in the Premier League in February on the run we were on getting dumped out of all the cups like and you know forget Spurs they're a train wreck but Chelsea are a team that have had frequent success now it's it's helped that they've had all the money to spend but you know you look at Real Madrid you look at Bayern Munich you look at those clubs that do sustain that success a lot across a long time they don't give managers a second opportunity. If you if you fail once, you're gone. At Liverpool, it's a little bit different. But at the same time, I just don't think Jürgen can weather another season like this. I think he would have to, either he would have to step down or the club would have to make a difficult decision if we got to next January, February, and we were once again in the shit. Because it wouldn't just be a once-off or twice-off. It would be three seasons out of four that had been way below what's acceptable and this season even if we get top four is well below what's acceptable this season has been a failure regardless of whether we get fourth or not because this season we should have been challenging for the title and we were never even in in the picture so i i want to see an aggressive move this summer by us i want to see us go and and act like a big club for the first time in a while First time since the summer of 2018. And I want to see us address the issues that we have. And there's a lot of issues. And it's it's a two-year rebuild. I've said that before. You won't do everything in one window. But you can't afford to have passengers in the team anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I agree with most of that. I think it's fair to note that Klopp, the board, whoever you want to say, were right to, to let him cash in that credit in the bank as such because it's obviously shown that we've gone on another good run oh um, absolutely yeah but totally uh, agree with that. We, we don't want to be in a situation again where we're january february mid table nothing like that at all i think you 
very, very much have to make sure that you're competitive straight away in what is going to be a really, really difficult top four race. And uh, we both expect Liverpool to be in it next season, but there's a difference between being second or third and nine points off City and acknowledging you've got to be better again next season by the time you get to sort of March or being sixth in maybe three, four points behind a Newcastle Man United again and sort of having to fight for that last play of the season. That's that's suddenly you're not a top four team. You're trying to break back into it after two years, you know? Yeah. And if we if we find ourselves next season where, you know, in in February we're completely out of the title race and just in the battle for fourth. I, I don't know what the point would be with continuing continuing with Jurgen at that point. Because that feels like we would have hit a ceiling and that might just be it. That might be where we are. We're we're late era Arsenal under Wenger, where, you know, fourth was the trophy that they were aiming for. Fourth in the FA Cup, fourth in the FA Cup. That was their their ceiling each year. And that's that for me is is not acceptable for this club. It's just not. This club was not built on FA Cups. It was built on league titles and European Cups. And if we can't compete for those under this manager, then I would rather start over and rebuild. And even if it meant a couple of years outside the, the Champions League, but we were building towards a potential title win, I would rather do that than just maintaining a top four presence. Last question. What is the optimal number of, you know, ignoring kids and stuff coming in, what's the optimal number of additions this summer, do you think? Optimal? Like I balance think... between we need loads and you don't want to destabilise the squad. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if we look at the whole squad, we need, and I mean squad, so including backups, we need two backup goalkeepers, a backup for Trent. I would suggest two backup centre-backs, a back, a, a starting left back and three starting midfielders. So I would say we need nine players in total to have a squad capable of winning the league. I think the optimal number for this summer is five. Yeah. I think you go backup goalkeeper one, and maybe promote one of the youngsters. Yeah. Three starting midfielders, because I think if you're changing two, you might as well change three. Because it really makes no difference. Because there's no relationship if you bring two in anyway. So you might as well change all three. It's why you're nearly better off changing both centre-backs as changing one centre-back. Um, but and, and, and the Robertson replacement. So I would say, I would say five. I, I, w- I would rather see us for next season change those four positions. Have that season of transition where we have done what we need to do. And it's about settling players in. And if we're if we're eighth or ninth in February, but we're clearly moving towards something, that's absolutely fine. That's not what I mean when I say, you know, for ninth next season, Jurgen would need to go. If we're clearly transitioning towards something, that's different than the failure of this season. So I would say those five backup keeper, an experienced one, someone that can be relied on if needed. And just playing the cups, three starting midfielders and that that left 
centre back left back role. That's that's what I would want this summer as a minimum. Not as a minimum. That that I think is the optimum amount. And then the following summer you can go and get your backup centre backs, the other backup goalkeeper, and maybe if you want to add a forward as well, you could do that. But and the Trent backup as well. Like I, I take a year without a Trent backup because Fabinho could be the Trent backup. He's played right back. He's played in midfield. He could do that role if necessary. But I think five is the is the is the right number this summer. If we don't sign a Trent backup this summer, now I know he's obviously not going to do it in the same way, but in the same way as we've seen like Milner play there, do you think Henderson going right back into central midfield is something we'll see? Um, it's possible. I mean, he has played right back in the past. He wasn't very good there, but he has done it in the past. And he's comfortable enough stepping into midfield, obviously, because that's what he is. I think he might be the one in the squad who is most already adept to do it. Obviously, it's not going to be as good with the passing range, obviously not as good with the creativity or anything like that. But I think from position to position, he's probably the one who is most set for it. Yeah, that's probably fair. I I think Fabinho... I don't. Fabinho doesn't have the explosiveness, but Henderson can't run anymore either. I don't see Fabinho doing that. I don't think he has the ground covering ability to do it. But does Henderson in more than 2023? Fabinho. Yeah, more than Fabinho, I think. I, honestly, I, I honestly think Fabinho's drop-off is enormous. Oh, I, I do as well. I do as well. Yeah, to be fair, to be fair, I'm thinking of Fabinho from kind of 15, 16 months ago. The, the Fabinho of now would get, I think, stuck halfway between right back and midfield and end up playing in no man's land. Yeah, Henderson. Do you know? Do you know actually who I think could have been used in that role, but he's leaving this summer? Is Ox. I think Ox could have done not a not a great job in that role, but a decent job in that role. He's played right back in the past. He's played in central midfield in the past. He's decent on the ball. He's still got a good burst of pace. He's still willing to put in the effort, but he's leaving. I mean, this is this is where someone like Maitland-Niles sort of screams at us, isn't it? Yeah. Because he just comes in and he just he'll give you six out of ten, and sometimes that's all you need. James Milner has given us six out of ten in basically every game he's ever played for Liverpool, and some will call him a legend. So. I mean, Maitland-Niles is a better player now than Milner has been for the last four or five years. He might not have Milner's ability to volley people up in the air, but he's a better passer. He moves better. He's better defensively. Maybe you just maybe you go with him for a year, two years maybe as a max. You know, short-term contracts. Overpay him on wages if you have to to get him in. And next summer you can go and buy uh, a more suitable, higher level player to play that role. Yeah, we've we've been over it. I think he makes sense. I don't think you'd have to overpay anyway. So a year or two years before a sale, I don't think would be the worst thing in the world. I think presumably would appeal to him. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'd imagine so. He might like to add a few medals to the collection. He's got an FA Cup. Um, 
He's also got a Community Shield winner's medal where he marked Mo Salah out of the game that people have conveniently forgotten about. But uh, yeah, he he might make sense just to just to give us a little bit little bit of security there. Right, we will leave it there. Have you got anything you want to plug before we go? Um, ahead of the final two weekends of the season, what have I got? Um, Leeds United piece. I think that's what will be out most recently around the time we release this podcast. Um, we've just done another one as well, which is presumably out before this one is, which is on uh, the Premier League running, and then we'll be doing our usual scouted ahead of stability. Yes, yes, indeed. Radio, well, that will do us for today. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.